This is the best, 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 best practices in education and Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. We'll go down to Odyssey. This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. And the trees are rainbow, and you'll see the corn every now and then because that's not weird at all. Welcome to Episode 9 of Best Practices in Education and Odyssey School Podcast. I am Megan Martell. I'll be your host today, and I am here in the studio with Selma Neal, our first and second grade teacher. Selma is originally from the Asheville area, and her teaching style is inspired by the nature, magic, and creative expression that characterize her own childhood. She has a BA in elementary education from UNC Chapel Hill and completed her student teaching in North Carolina and in Hamburg, Germany. She taught kindergarten on the Dutch Caribbean island of Saba, Did I pronounce that right, Selma? Saba. Saba, thank you. Before returning to the mountains and working in her first grade classroom at Black Mountain Primary School, she joined the Odyssey community teaching first grade in 2017. Selma, welcome to the studio. Thank you. So you presented to our teachers uh, last week, maybe a couple weeks ago. Who knows? I have a cold. I'm not tracking time right now. (laughs) Um, It was a really wonderful and inspiring presentation titled Talking About Learning Differences with Your Class. And, you know, as we all know, learning difference diagnosis rates are really increasing these days. And we all are teaching students with different learning styles and recognizing um, what typical neurodevelopment is and atypical development and how to really meet the needs of all students and celebrate their authentic sense of leadership. So can you tell us a little bit about your presentation, maybe just in general to start with? Yeah, um, my presentation was about um, basically creating understanding among students about what different learning differences are, what they're called, what they might look like, and how it might feel to be somebody with a certain diagnosis or other um, difference or learning style. And as a teacher, we are constantly creating accommodations and differentiation to work with kids um, where they are, but students don't always have the context for why we're doing those things, and there can be a lot of questions and curiosity. So really, the presentation was about how can you create like a culture of empathy and understanding among your kids and have it become more of a normal topic of conversation in the class. Yeah, and also you talked a lot about how students who have these diagnoses can sort of make terms with that and mm-hmm. and help them navigate the social experience in the classroom and find some empowerment in the information they have about how their brain works. Yeah. And this inspiration came from really a child, right? One yeah, of your exactly. Um, last year we had several students in our class um, who were just discovering for the first time that they had a learning difference and one of them um, was having a lot of emotion at home about it and feeling some embarrassment and stress at school um, which is totally normal and she said to her mom that she just wished that her friends could understand how it felt for her 
Um, and then her mom brought that to us and said, what can we do about this? And together we came up with the idea of having an expert panel uh, dis- to discuss um, the different um, learning differences. This one specifically was dyslexia and um, for the student themselves to be the expert. And so tell me a little bit about the framework and how you put together this expert panel and who was involved and what did it look like? So we worked with the parents and the students um, who wanted to share. And we also worked with their support professionals outside of schools. Sometimes they have tutors or therapists or other support services outside of school. Uh, And we wanted to bring in their professional voices into the expert panel. And what role did parents play? Parents helped us to find resources that they felt comfortable with Um, the framing that was presented uh, so that they felt like the message was aligned with how they were talking to their own child about the diagnosis. And so they helped us in figuring out what to share specifically and maybe what not to share, what wasn't um, developmentally appropriate yet. And then they kind of served as emotional support for their kid in the presentation, but they weren't leading it. They were kind of sitting in the back as part of the audience and allowing their kid to really step up and feel empowered to talk about themselves. Yeah, and one thing I think that may makes this really um, powerful and effective and feel good for everybody is the way that you all collaborate with parents and students because they're involved in, in helping to design it. So there's a real um, tight collaboration that happens, which allows everyone to feel buy-in and to feel safe mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah, um, we've done we've done these panels twice now um, with students from our class, and we've continued to teach about learning differences that maybe aren't present in our specific constellation right now. But we both times we have worked with. The parents worked with their outside support and talked with the student about what role do they want to play. Some of them want to lead more and be the one really taking on the questions, and some of them want to just maybe be present but not leading the charge with the presentation as much and let their um, counselor or somebody else lead the discussion more. Yeah, and one of the things that I love that you do is you include what strengths people with certain diagnoses have and um, point them to role models, and not just the students with the diagnosis, but everybody in the class to mm-hmm. role models who identify as having those diagnoses. So that's a really awesome. Yeah, um, in each panel that we did, um, we kind of stuck with the same targets of information that we wanted to teach students, which was first, the first and foremost and most importantly, the strengths and talents that come with having a brain that thinks in that certain way or has those certain differences. Um, And we always frame it as, you know, we talk a lot about differences that we have on the outside or differences in how we have preferences or backgrounds or whatever. Um, And this is the opportunity to learn about sort of differences that are inside your body that you can't see that are um, differences in our brains because we're all unique individuals. That's beautiful, especially considering, you know, for Odyssey, we are an integral school, and that really requires teachers and students to be thinking about the inner experience as well as the outer experience. And so um, finding an opportunity to 
do that in almost a spiritual way in one sense because it's about our identity and what we hold sacred Mm -hmm. and connecting to ourselves and who we are and also in a scientific sense yeah but then also bringing in like the emotional side of it and some of those difficult emotions that might be coming up for the student in one of our presentations the students got um, pretty vulnerable and it was a really sensitive moment but it was really amazing to watch how the class began to really see their perspective and their experience and show empathy um, so I feel really grateful that we have developed that level of um, sort of emotional container in our school it shows how well we're doing at Odyssey <laughs> yeah well and that they feel really safe and trust yeah. you yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges that you discussed? His, so yeah. there's talents and strengths, but also, of course, on the flip side, there are yeah. challenges to having certain diagnoses. And how do you um, present that? And what are the yeah. different components? So with dyslexia specifically, we um, obviously talked about challenges coming up mostly in reading and writing. And uh, one of the challenges that we discussed a lot was how it can be Um, students might feel the need to compensate or cover up um, their challenges in reading and writing. So that might be like somebody choosing to read like the biggest book in the library or um, wanting to kind of hide it in some way. And so we discussed like why someone might make that choice and what they might be feeling and how you can be supportive of them so that they don't feel like they have to be like inauthentic to themselves. Um, and the kids are really receptive and come, came up with a lot of strategies and then we got to see them implement those strategies later in the year. Can you talk about what some of those strategies were? Like what did you overhear in your classroom after this? Um, mostly a lot of really positive encouragement and kids kind of going out of their way to notice when someone was struggling or notice when they were putting forth a lot of effort and doing something that maybe it wasn't the longest piece of writing, but it showed their personal growth and strengths. Um, So for them to be able to perceive that was really wonderful. Can you talk about some of the specific resources you used to prepare for your expert panel on ASD or autism spectrum? Mm -hmm. Um, We used the book, uh, The Autism Acceptance Book, by Ellen Sabin, or Sabine, I'm not sure. Um, But this was a book that uh, the family we were working with had used at home. It's kind of a workbook style and has a lot of interactive um, things you can do with your child. So her counselor used this book to create a presentation and together we like looked through and found some highlights that we wanted to include um, and then they donated a copy of that book to our classroom. Wonderful and there were some really specific ways to support students with an ASD diagnosis that uh, you shared with your students and mm-hmm. now they're enacting those strategies. Yeah. Can you talk about those? Yeah, so ASD presents differently for every child, so we focused mostly on the issues that were coming up in our own class and thought that would be most helpful for our kids. Um, So a lot of ASD 
um, challenges are around social interaction. Um, so we talked about uh, kids came up with the idea to, you know, notice when someone's sitting alone or playing alone on the playground and make the choice to go over there and invite them or just ask them what's going on for them or how they're feeling. And they also learned that it can be challenging even once invited to play, it can be challenging to know how to play and to know the rules of the game. So to be aware of that and take the extra step to explain what's going on and how someone can be a part of the game. Wonderful. One of the um, things that you mentioned to our teachers was the idea that there is power and relief and knowledge. Mm -hmm. How do you see that played out? Well, I think that kids are far more perceptive than many people might give them credit for, and they're often picking up on things that are going on even if they're not named. So to equip them with the language and the knowledge to talk about something in a way that's not charged and that's not scary um, can feel really empowering and can give them this sense of, like, I know what's going on. I don't have anxiety about like questions of what's going on behind the scenes I'm included in this conversation so I have time for just one more question and I want to step back a little from your presentation to the beginning of the school year and you opened up the school year with this project a photography project that I think is such a sweet parallel to how you set up your students for this really tough vulnerable inner work by taking a moment to have them recognize their differences externally. So going back to that idea of you can do this with recognition of the inside or the outside, can you talk about that project, that photography project? Yeah, this is one of my um, favorite sort of beginning of school projects to do with kids. Um, It is inspired by a book of poetry called The Best Part of Me by Wendy Ewald. And in it are poems written by kids about the best part of their body and coupled with beautiful photos that she's taken of them showcasing that part of their body. Um, So we share the book and we share the poems and we talk about the value of our physical body for how it lets us move through life and lets us interact and serves us in so many different ways. So, for example, uh, somebody might write about um, the way that their hands remind them of times when they are doing an activity that they love, like reading or building or playing or swinging on the monkey bars. (laughs) Um, And then they wrote about that and then we uh, worked with them to like compose a photo that they felt excited about and then we display them as a whole class yeah there's just i wanted to take a moment for you to share that with our listeners because i think there's such a genius and a beauty in the long game Mm -hmm. so in designing a school year where you move students especially of a young age from the outside external really accessible parts that they can recognize within themselves or outside of themselves (laughs) and then moving them into the more emotional work that is deeper and about how 
they think and how they feel and what goes on inside of their bodies. So it's just a really elegant process. And I really am grateful for all of the resources that you've named in this. Um, So there are some really concrete ways to do this in your own classroom. And um, in Selma's presentation, which we're going to link in the liner notes, there's also a link to a great video for teaching about dyslexia Mm -hmm. and the experience of... Yeah, it's called See Dyslexia Differently, and it's from the British Dyslexia Association. Awesome. Great. Yeah. So you'll have all of this stuff um, either linked or written down for you for reference. And I just want to thank you again, Selma, for coming into the studio and sharing the craft of teaching. (laughs) It was really inspiring. Thank you. Join us next week for our next episode of Best Practices in Education for another sweet and inspiring conversation about teaching. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud.